1: Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now, here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 294 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, the godfather, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? I'm wonderful on a Halloween day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a little spooky, huh?
0: Yeah, um I'm going as my favorite red. I'm going trick or treating as my favorite red.
1: Uh Brandon Phillips, huh?
0: That that's exactly it. I'm gonna have a big ego. Oh
1: gosh. He's not even playing I'm for the sure. Reds anymore, and you still have to uh have to handle no,
0: no, I I'm I'm, I'm 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 just being snotty. I
1: <laughs> um so to break
0: out I'm going to break out my number 14 jersey and, and just so Doug Gray goes insane.
1: <laughs> well, um, that, that'll that do it. <laughs> that'll do it. Let's talk about the, the current Reds. The Major League Baseball season just ended with the Washington Nationals winning the, uh, the championship. And what that says to me is what I say every year. You just got to get in that tournament. You just got to make the playoffs. You got to sneak in somehow, yeah. and then you got you know, as good a chance as anyone else. That's that's what I'm drawing from the Nationals uh, being a wild card and almost losing the wild card game and still coming back to win the whole uh, tournament, the whole championship. You have any? Boy, uh, did they fight? I
0: mean, they fought back and fought back and fought back. And boy, they got some good young
1: players, and they have some good pitching. Uh, you know, it's a uh, oh yeah. yeah that's an interesting team I want to steal at least one of their players we'll talk about him later um, so but
0: no. it, it, was inter- it was interesting going into the series that, that at least I thought that the the Washington bullpen would be their undoing
1: yeah that's just, and well you have the Astros who were clearly the better team top to bottom uh you know and you're right the bullpen had been had been I do have uh, UVA guy Sean Doolittle out there in that bullpen But, uh, you just, you just don't know. They did have a Tanner Rainey. Yes. Um, you just don't know in a short series. That's why you've got to just qualify. You don't have to be a 110 win team in the regular season. You just got to get in. And I think that's what the Reds need to be shooting for this offseason. I want to preview the uh, upcoming offseason just a little bit. We've talked about it quite a bit already and we're now right on the precipice of some things actually getting ready to happen and and it's what I would call the most important Reds offseason in at least 3 decades. Am I overselling that bill? 3 decades what's the last winter that that the, the Reds were more kind of under the gun in terms of having to improve the team having to make some kind of big big uh, uh, you it, know, improvement it, well
0: I I mean 91 there was more expected of them
1: yeah I, well, but I guess I just can't see any any time in the last 30 years that I can think of where they really have to do I think before 1990 they felt like they had to uh because they were coming off the uh, the year when rose was banned and it dropped back to fifth place and it was just a, a bad year and they felt like they had to do something but since then i don't know that there's been an off season where it, it, the the reds they should have had more urgency in most of those off seasons but i don't know there's been one where it's, the, they really have to do something that's the way i'm that's the way i'm framing it i don't know maybe i'm just wishful thinking here
0: i i, I agree with you um and the other thing is about the going into the ninety season too, other than the the, 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 the eighty nine season, which the Rose stuff just destroyed the, you know, the team. They they'd been on the precipice for, for three I think three years they'd finished second without looking it up. I know at least twice, I think it was three times they would finished second. And faded late in the year on, on West Coast trips if I remember right. Um, but the other thing about this offseason is I think it's the first time that at least some of us have a feeling that this is the front office is looking at things differently than they have in the past, that maybe we're, we're, all, we're playing the same game as everybody else is at this point. I mean, only time will tell whether that's really true. But, you know, I, the, the the hiring of the hitting coach and, 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 and you know, the, the pitching philosophy throughout the organization and the team moving forward with what seems to be a hitting a plan for the hitting philosophy throughout the organization gives us hope that there's that that we're going to get on the same you know game board with everybody else in major league baseball
1: yeah we should have done that five years ago i think that that's just a a fact at this point there's nothing we can do about it Uh, the reds have done things in the last 12 months that would encourage you to believe that they know what they're doing, and I think if this type of decision making, this type of a plan had been in place, these type of types of individuals had been in place five years ago, we're not in this spot right now. But I'm not re- I'm not willing to wait another five years for them to uh, completely break things down and rebuild it. They've got to do something on the major league level, and they've indicated a willingness. Uh, Dick Williams has uh, publicly said, uh, you know, playoffs next year is our goal, and so they've indicated that they understand that the uh, the fan base is just not in a place to uh, be patient much longer. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that manifests itself. Um, in terms of big news this week, we try to run through the news at the top of every podcast. There's not a whole lot this uh, this week. Our guy uh, Brian Price, former Reds manager, was hired as the Phillies' pitching coach. Good for Brian Price, I guess, right?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. I, mean, he, he, I don't think anybody would ever say Brian Price is a bad guy or anything like that. And Trent Rosecrans and, and, might. Well, he might. Yeah, but uh, he's 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 been a very effective. Major League Baseball pitching coach.
1: Yeah, when he was the Reds pitching coach, uh, he was he was fantastic. I had no issues with him as pitching coach. He was probably in over his head as manager, although again the front office didn't make things easy for him by not giving him good players. But uh, I don't know. Uh, good, good good luck to good luck to Brian Price. I don't have any. It's funny that they uh, hired uh, Brian Price while also flirting with Dusty Baker as their manager. So yeah, yeah. Uh, um, other news, really, the only other thing that uh, I can tell you is the Reds are getting ready uh, to make a major concert announcement, as Doug Gray uh, reported um, at RedLegNation.com. A major concert announcement. Now, who, who do you hope the, uh, the, the concert is going to feature, Bill Lack? If, who do I hope? Yeah, they're going to have what concert's going to be announced at Great American Ballpark sometime in the next year. Who would if it were up to you, you could bring anyone in, who would it be?
0: At this point for me, it'd probably be Springsteen. Kid, oh
1: gosh. All right, we're done. We're out. No. You know the rule on Red Leg Nation Radio is you are not allowed to mention Bruce Springsteen in my presence.
0: No, I didn't know that. So I I will be bringing it up at every opportunity okay. from now on.
1: Okay. You need to read your, <laughs> you need to read your contract. Okay, that was specifically laid out
0: in black and white. you're
1: going to have to find me then. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, good Greek, most overrated artist in the history of the world, Bruce Springsteen. Um, uh, so, uh, what about the Stones? The Rolling Stones. That'd be a good I, one.
0: Th- that wouldn't do anything for me. Um, and and uh, I'm not taking away anything away from the Rolling Stones, but... Uh, I, other than Mick Jagger, who is phenomenal in phenomenal shape for a man that's what seventy four or whatever, can the rest of them even stand upright any longer?
1: They're, they're touring when they can, still uh, going strong. Um, not as strong as they were, obviously, but uh, that, I say that because that's uh, one of the, the few that out there that I've not actually seen live. That I kind of it's not. I wouldn't say it's on my bucket list because it certainly wouldn't be. But uh, no. musical acts, I, that's one I would like to see just so I can say I saw them. Had an opportunity when I was uh, in in school, in college, and uh, some of my friends went, but I was a poor college student, couldn't afford it. So, I, and I've never got a chance to do that. So that'd be fun for me. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, and and you know, we're
0: assuming that it's going to be rock music. It could very well be a country artist. It Ooh, could I, be. I hope so.
1: Maybe maybe Shania Twain. She's a big country oh. artist, right? I don't think she is anymore. What year is this? <laughs> I couldn't tell you any. Uh, uh, Kenny Chesney, he's a country artist. Um, A current one.
0: Yeah. Key, uh, a Key West guy, as a matter of fact. There you go. That's about the only one I can... Uh, 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 Zach Brown, who played at the ballpark last year, the year before. I think it was two years ago.
1: I'm not sure. He, would that qualify? Uh, although I, I hear good things about the, the Zach Brown band. Would that qualify they, as a major concert announcement?
0: We went to the show. My wife is a big fan of Zach Browns, and we went. I wasn't really thrilled with – I shouldn't say I It I wasn't a concert that I would have picked to go to, but I enjoyed it. And I'll tell you what, they did a cover of Whipping Post by the Allman Brothers that was outstanding, and he can play a guitar for a
1: front man. Uh, well, I have no reason to doubt any of that, but is that would that qualify as a major – No. No. Announcement. But,
0: but your idea of major announcement and the Reds' idea of major announcement may not be the same. Exactly. It's clearly. It may, it may be, you know, that, that, uh, uh you know, Chicago is going to be playing it. <laughs> and, and I'm a huge Chicago fan, but that wouldn't be a major, a, you know, a major musical get for the Reds.
1: Chicago. What about Boston? What about Kansas? Come on, get out of here. It's going to, it's clearly going to be Kanye. Now, um, that's about all when it comes to, uh, to news. Actually, it was
0: another thing.
1: The Reds are moving the press box. Yeah, I guess. That doesn't matter to me because the Reds won't give me press credentials. Okay, I've not asked them in 10 years, but
0: I, you, be, I but, bet they would. But, but you will be able to buy seats in what used
1: to be the press box, though. Uh, yeah, that's what they'll say. <laughs> that's what they'll tell me when I ask for credentials, uh you know oh right, we'll put you right exactly where uh, the press you is You were friends would
0: you give you credentials
1: Absolutely not well, <laughs> Of course I would I think we've shown proven to be responsible over the years but uh that's not something we've requested so Um yeah they're moving like, the press box to the they, other side We talked about this
0: on on here before about the press credential stuff
1: Uh no, I don't think so
0: I don't know I that mean, we have We have been given press credentials for Dragons games
1: I think for all the Reds minor league uh, affiliates, we've. Uh,
0: uh, Okay. I didn't know that, you know, but I know we have been for the dragons games. In fact, that's where I did a, my, I think it was our first, one of my first interviews on, on here with Jay Bruce was on the, in the dugout at Mm -hmm. dragon stadium. And and I will admit, I felt like an interloper. Right. Right. You know, it it was very odd and maybe you get used to it, you know, and, and over time, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I was there. You know, these guys that they were actually working for a living, and
1: yeah, I I requ- requested credentials one time, and it was in 2006 when Castellini they were having a press conference to announce that he was uh, uh, had bought the team, and they were just his introductory press conference. And I thought, oh, it'd be cool to be there for that, and just you know be able to write about it, and was uh, laughed out of the room. And I've I've never requested it since because for the reason that you just said really do I need to be there day to day you know uh, if there's some specific interview I wanted that had to be done at the park I might do that um, working on a story for Cincinnati Magazine coming up and I may actually uh, go through them for credentials for uh, Reds Fest maybe but you know we're just we're we're talking about the Reds but we're not really in the new in the business of breaking news or reporting the news uh, we're commenting on the news we're more like columnists i would guess is what i would say so yeah um somebody like doug gray uh he does real reporting at, especially at minor league uh, yep. games uh, you know that's I agree. Uh, that's different uh when it comes to online media but anyway um and maybe doug and i can talk about that a little more he and i have had some conversation on that topic. maybe on the podcast at some point we will discuss that
0: but, but rob butcher would do everything he could to,
1: to him. Yeah, I'm not going to make any comments about Rob Butcher because uh <laughs> I think that uh, the the Reds uh, media relations department has a lot of great people that work there. Uh but Rob has been a little bit uh behind the times, uh, at least yep. by, behind what other teams do. So, whatever, that's the Reds. Uh, again, I'm not begging them for credentials. I don't need them. Some people do need them that are trying to make their living. Um yep. and uh, sh- should be able to get them. But uh for me, I'm just a Yahoo out here uh Talking about this team, although I'd say that I, uh, you know, spend as much time or more obsessing about this team as anybody that covers the Reds. I just may not be in the park as much, um, and are more invested. No, way more invested, but that comes from the, the, the fandom side of it. Yep,
0: and we've never hidden that either.
1: You know, we're no. we're, we're fans. We wear our biases on our sleeves.
0: We're the Joe Nuxall of the Podverse universe.
1: <laughs> I think you're, that's probably a good way to put it, because Joe never quit being a Reds fan. Nope. So. My
0: guess is Joe even rooted for the Reds in 61 when he was in
1: Kansas City. I bet it killed him, though. The one year he was gone, the Reds go to the oh. World Series. I bet it killed I him. I can going imagine. Yeah. Um, okay, so free agency. Let's run through it as uh, quickly as we can because there's not much to report. But I did want to kind of set out the calendar because uh, people have asked and, and, and uh, we're going to be watching very closely to see what, if anything, the Reds do in, over, in the coming weeks. So one day after the World Series ends, and of course it ended on, uh, on Wednesday night, the, uh, on October the 30th, one day later, eligible players can file for free agency. And so that's begun happening, I imagine. That also, the conclusion of the the, the World Series, also started a five-day clock. Now, this five-day clock is kind of important. It's, first of all, what they call a quiet period, where teams can negotiate exclusively with their own free agents, but can't sign anyone. So nobody can be signed within the next five days. But teams can negotiate with their own players. So the Washington Nationals, you would presume, are now negotiating with Anthony Rendon. At the end of that 5-day quiet period, clubs are required to make their decisions on the qualifying offers to free agents. So, some some uh, free agents you can extend a 1-year qualifying offer. It is set this off-season at 17.8 million. So you extend a 1-year qualifying offer. Uh, for example, if Yasiel Puig gets stuck around, the Reds will do, be in the position of trying to decide, do we offer Yasiel Puig the 17.8 1-year deal? And if they accept it, then they're yours. If they don't accept it and they're at a certain level, then you can get some compensation back when they're signed by another team. So, also, and let me know if this is clear to you, Bill, because I'm kind of running through it. I'm trying to keep it as uh, streamlined as possible. At the end of that five-day period, the teams have to make the decision whether or not to pick up player options for the 2020 season. And um, if if they pick up the options, good. If they don't, those players become free agents and then the day after that five-day quiet period ends it's it's (laughs) wide open because uh, free agents are allowed to sign with any club and free agency technically begins at that point so the biggest question that i think everyone asks asks is and that we are continuing to ask all the time and we've tried to answer it on this podcast already but uh, are the reds going to go big you know we will find out within the next week we'll start finding out within the next week uh, and what are I don't know that you and I have actually discussed this particular question. What are your expectations for the off season?
0: I honestly don't know. I have I have dreams and hopes. You know that, that they'll go big, but you know me, I've always been from Missouri. You got to show me until they do it. I, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna really struggle to believe that they're gonna you know they're gonna write somebody a, a an outside guy you know a 6 year 150 million dollar deal or 200 million dollar deal or whatever number you want to use yeah um, i think the first I, I think the first interesting thing will be and maybe this is what will i don't know what this will tell us and we who they who they uh, tender offers to
1: yeah i think i think two things are going to happen number one i think the reds are going to push really hard and they very well may land. Someone in trade, a big name. You know, I don't know who that name is. We've been dreaming about Francisco Lindor, and that's probably a dream. But I think they're going to make a push to land someone, some big name, in a trade. And there's just too many people out there that uh, would qualify for that that I can't really. And I've not heard any rumors, so I can't. I just I, I'm getting the the feeling of things I'm hearing um, is that the Reds are really going to try hard to trade for someone, but they 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 just they don't have the assets. That's what I was going to ask. To fix the team entirely by trade. Uh, I think they they have the assets to make a big deal and get somebody big in there, but they don't have enough to really fix the team entirely. They have to be active on the free agent market. Now, I'm just going to say this. Everyone is skeptical that the Reds uh, can be competitive uh, in terms of getting Anthony Rendon. And every time I mention it on uh, Twitter.com, I'll get uh, one-third of the responses will be like, Ah, oh, he's going to make too much money. No way, he's going to make too much money. To which I say, other teams have to pay lots of money for good players. Why shouldn't the Reds? And you wonder if it's coming out of those uh, particular uh, tweeters' pockets, the individual pockets. Now, I, I don't, I'm skeptical that the Reds can get that done, too, because I think a lot of teams, especially after the World Series, the playoffs that Rendon just had, he's going to get whatever he wants. The uh, We have a, a viewer mail question later about it. They the Nationals may be motivated uh, to keep him around. I don't know. But I'll say this. If we don't get reporting that the Reds have made a serious offer for Anthony Rendon, if they don't at least kick the tires and um, make an attempt to sign Rendon, this is presuming he doesn't sign with the uh, the Nationals as soon as he can, you know, re-sign with the Nationals. If If the Reds are not in the mix, then... I'm not sure what else they can do that will convince me they are serious about going big, quote unquote, all in. Because that's the one guy that's out there on the free agent market. He's the one guy that really moves the needle, that immediately makes this a team that, that that's you know something to be uh, taken seriously. You know, I expect him to really go hard after Yasmani Grandal, and I think Grandal will help the team. Uh, I think it's a big. Uh, a big help. I think that's a big guy, but he's not the cornerstone guy. And the Reds may not be able to get that cornerstone guy. There's only one of them out there that that I see, Rendon. But, you know, I'm at the point where if they're not even going to try to get a superstar in here, if you want to call Rendon a superstar, and I think I would after the, the, the last few years that he's had, including this one, if you're not willing to even try to get one of those guys, why are you wasting my time? All right, now that was my rant, Bill. Uh, any comments?
0: No, I, I, I agree with you, and, but uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I, I I've been watching the Reds, and and, and this new fr- this front office has given us reason to believe that things are going to be done differently. But until I see them done differently in terms of spending. I struggle to believe that they'll be done dramatically differently.
1: And, and the the problem there is that we're not talking about the front office and what well, we're talking
0: about ownership. I I, I and, and you're right; they shouldn't be globbed together.
1: Yeah, we're talking about is is our guy Castellini going to open the checkbook enough? And that is a different question. I think the. If it were up to the Reds' front office, they know they've got to go big and they know that, that they have to try to acquire some people. They may be hamstrung. And if that's the case, then okay. We'll understand that Castellini is not willing to do what it takes to deliver on his promises from back in 2006 to deliver a contender. At least not this year. It means they're willing to, to be patient and continue the rebuild for another two or three years. And I'm just – I'm not I'm, – I've lost patience. I'm not okay with that.
0: The, the, the moves that we've seen the front office make are all – Internally related, and that's all well and good. You know, that sets your 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 team up for success in the future. Mm-hmm. But the things that we're talking about are generally things in the mi- that are going to affect the minor league system. And it's not like our minor league system is loaded that it's going to that, that guys coming up are going to turn this team, uh, you know, a fifteen to twenty more win team next year.
1: Here's what I say: The Reds. Why I say the Reds need to trade everybody they have in the minor leagues. I've got no heartburn over trading anyone they've got, because what have they gotten out of the minor leagues the last five years? I mean, really, what, what has the minor league system produced? Uh, I know we got a different group in charge now, and hopefully in the next in the future they're going to revitalize the minor league system. But what have the Reds gotten out of their minor league system? Nick Senzel. Jesse Winker, Jesse Winker. Okay. Sinzel may be a, Winker's not a star. He's a legitimately good major league player. Sinzel may end up being a star. I think he will be. Nothing else. And there's no reason to believe that anyone currently in the minor leagues has star potential, uh, other than maybe Hunter Green. So, trade them all. If you can get somebody that we know is going to help the major league team, trade them all. I, I saw someone use the, the phrase uh, pillaging the farm system. Bring it on. Pillage it. Burn it to the ground. Uh, mortgage the future. I hate that term. Mortgage it. I'm sick of waiting on a future that has never come in the last 30 years with you know very, very small uh, uh, windows. Burn it to the ground. Get a real major league team in Cincinnati for the first time in a long time. Have I made myself clear? Yeah, I think you have. <laughs> I mean, you've been beating this drum for
0: at least six months.
1: Yeah, I just—I'm—I'm. I'm ex- my patience has been exhausted. So, uh, in terms of what's available out there, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to run through it really quickly. Just a little bit of the, the name, a few of the names that are mentioned. But Doug Gray at Redlegnation.com has uh, posted a series this week that's not done. I don't think, but go read the ones that are finished. Where he talked about potential options and he, and he broke them down. First of all, was the outfield. And uh, the Reds outfield, you know, we've talked about that. You got Winker, you got Irvin, you got Senzel, you got uh, Aquino. You know, those are four guys. I like all of them, as it were. Um, but that's an area that needs to be uh, upgraded. Here are some of the names that he mentioned: Hunter Pence. Uh, you know, he was American League Comeback Player of the Year. He didn't make an All Star team, um, but he's going to be 37 years old, so he's nothing more than a stopgap. But I don't well, know. He's
0: not even a stopgap. He did. He had, he had a decent year this year, and he only played 83 games. Yeah. And, and and he'd been terrible the two years before that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentioned Corey Dickerson. No, that's not uh, to me not a not an option. Um. Now Nicholas Castle Cast. I never had I say his name Castilla- Castellanos 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 Castellanos. That's how we'd say it around these That's parts. That's the way we say it down there in Virginia. That's the way we'd say it around these parts. Don't you worry about that, Nicholas Castellanos. Now I do like him, and I think he was kind of a guy that was under the radar a little bit in Detroit, uh, and came to Chicago and played really well. And as Doug said, it's very likely it might get him paid, but uh, I think he could hit, um, and I think he's a guy that you could fit into the uh, fit into the uh, lineup pretty well. Any thoughts about uh, about him?
0: I like him, uh, but again, he's not, he's not a guy that's really going to move the needle. I don't think you know his his last three years, or at least the last two years, have been about the same.
1: Yeah, fine. And,
0: and, and he's really bad defensively, as Doug pointed out in that article. Um, I mean, he is only twenty eight. That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just think when we talk about moving the needle, um, he does improve the team. And I think that other than a guy like Rendon, or maybe Garrett Cole, if you want to say him on the pitching side, um, yeah. and, and you know, uh, you could maybe make the case that Grandal is kind of up to that level. I'm not sure that we can say that. But in terms of free agents, there aren't a whole lot of guys that are really going to yep. move the needle that much. So we got to talk about can they improve the roster. And I think he improves the, the roster. Is, we, we've got to figure out how much
0: money do you really think they're going to spend a year. You know that we've talked the numbers I've heard are between 30 and 40 million increase mm-hmm you know it, it, and then and then somebody is gonna have to make a decision as to whether it's better to bring in you know, the one guy or three guys
1: well if those three guys are Gredal Castellanos um, and vi uh, Gregorius I think you improve the team enough around the the diamond that uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to go big.
0: When we get to Gregorius, so I want to talk about him because I'm not convinced that he, it, it, the difference that he would make, would be worth the money you'd
1: spend. Yeah, maybe not. We'll talk about him in a moment. We're there, we'll be yep. there in a second. Marcelo Ozuna yep. was the other interesting name. I think the Reds have already been rumored to be interested in Marcelo Ozuna. Uh, I like Ozuna. I know some people are down on him, but I don't know. I just, uh, I like Ozuna, and I think that uh, he's due for a, a kind of a bounce back season. Starting next year, he'll be just—he's uh, just getting ready to turn twenty-nine. so He'll be twenty-nine next year. I, I, I think Ozuna helps this team, um, and then Yasiel Puig. What do you think about Yasiel Puig?
0: I think his time in Cincinnati is past. I—I I loved him here, um, but I, I think I'd go a different way if I was the Reds.
1: He had about a two month period or uh, six week period there but at the end of his Reds tenure that was dynamite, really, yep. really good. And uh, but then he, before that he was awful and pulled down his uh, overall numbers. I would have expected a better season out of him overall, given it was a contract year and it really wasn't. So you just, you know, I don't know. But I loved every second of Yasiel Puig. If they bring him back, I'm, I'm on board with that. I, I'm a, I'm a fan. I, I agree. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, but, but. If they brought him back, would you see it as a definite improvement? Yeah, yeah I think so.
0: Would you? Okay, I think I, I'm not sure I would. I'm, I'm over Aquino. After, after after what I saw of him playing for the Reds, again again, it's it's improvement versus you know, there's only, The pie's only going to be so big. And would you be better off spending the money somewhere else and i and i and i don't know the answer to that
1: yeah i'm just i love aquino i'm just not uh i'm not confident in counting on him to be a a, a guy oh no, i'm not either right so um but he may be that guy and i hope he is and makes me look silly uh the other guy i know you have a lot of thoughts on this uh this name bill because I have the same thoughts um shogo akiyama boy he's good huh I have no idea who that is. <laughs> Japanese uh, center fielder. Well, I, I would have guessed that, and uh, I have no idea anything about him other than he's supposed to be pretty good. And the Reds have never signed anyone from uh, Japan, so.
0: Um, you know the guy. You know the guy that, I, and I had. I'll be honest. I had to look him up after I read Doug's article. This Lonnie Chisenhill or Hill, Chisenhill, Chisenhill, <laughs>
1: Chisenhall, Chis, Chisenhall. Yeah, you really haven't heard of him.
0: No. I mean, I know he's missed basically the last two years, but he's still pretty young. If you could get him for a, a, you know, cheap for a flyer,
1: I'd bring, I'd give him a shot. If you're unable to upgrade otherwise, but again, I'm past the point of being willing to give the Reds the benefit of the doubt on taking flyers on people. But I wouldn't
0: spend, well, no, and even, even if you did, you know, if you could get him cheap, I'd still
1: bring him in. Yeah, depending on what right. Yeah, if depending on what he's if he's being given an offer, this numbers are very uh, It'd be interesting to see if he gets an opportunity. That someone's going to guarantee him a uh, a starting spot. He's probably looking at a minor league free
0: agent deal yeah. if, if, if the if the trend continues that it was this year.
1: That's true, and I would absolutely bring him in on on that. So, uh, what about trying to get a center fielder in trade or? Uh, I think we probably feel the same as this and trade or a free agency and moving Sinzel back to second base.
0: I, I think whatever makes the team better.
1: Yeah. I think it just gives you more options. I don't have any problems with it at all.
0: Nope. I don't either. So,
1: all right. Uh, the next,
0: you know, uh, you know, the other guy that, that Doug mentioned that, that, and he's older and it, again, it would depend on, on is Gardner.
1: you know, about seven years ago, there were some rumors that the Reds yep. were exploring trading for Brett Gardner. I was really excited about it. He's got to get on base remember, a lot. Yeah. Defensively good. He's also, you know, 60 years old now. He's
0: 36. Same difference. Uh, um, you know, but he's still playing a little center
1: field. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Center field for the Yankees. Uh, he's primary. He's a left fielder. Um, I, You know, he, he, he'll be he'd be better defensively even at his age than what the reds will have out in left field with uh, winker and irvin. um i'm not entirely sure although you could probably make the case that he would hit better than those two. i you know at least for next year but man you just signing a guy that age i think i think he but will
0: yeah i i know you know and and they're going to be looking for a you know 3 4 year deal i would think and and i you know and I, and I agree i'd struggle with a guy that age but wouldn't he? He's at least at thirty six. He's still really
1: productive. Wouldn't you like to have had that guy the last seven years?
0: Oh yeah.
1: I mean, he's he's been and all, he
0: came out in center field for
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So Doug's uh, next uh, group that he looked at in terms of free agency were the middle infielders, and you wanted to talk about D.D. Gregorius. That's the that's the big middle infielder that's available in the free agent market. Yeah, uh,
0: and I don't know. He, he, yeah. He,
1: I know, you know he he had a
0: good year and and what was it? I guess it was eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he had a really good year and a pretty good and a good year in seventeen. But I mean, this year he he's, he hasn't been when he played, he wasn't very good.
1: Yeah, but he was hurt. He was hurt
0: all season. And he's you know turning thirty, which is the same age as Galvis. They're they're approximately the same age. And you got Galvis for five million. And I I have no idea what you'd have to pay Gregorius. And I'm just not sure the production is going to be enough better that it'd be worth the money that
1: you're spending. Well, let me pull up, uh, since you want to compare him to Freddie Galvis, which is ludicrous, Bill Lack. um, I want to pull him up here really quickly and and look at his uh, production. Freddie Galvis, who, uh, if you upgrade elsewhere, I can live with Freddie Galvis as your shortstop. But Freddy Galvez uh, had a 2.3 wins above replacement season in 2018. That was the best he's ever had um, in his career. The last four years for D.D. Gregorius, uh, this year was .6, which was was not good. The last five years so, which was not good. But before that, 4.2, 3.7, 2.2, 3.1. This is a solid, and that's from ages 25 to 28. Uh, He was hurt this year at age 29. This is a guy that solidly productive um good defensively if though not perhaps not spectacular but gonna, i think he's a solidly above average shortstop and i'm willing to given that he had four you know above average years in a row um average to above average years at ages 25 to 28 i'm willing to chalk up last year to injuries and be willing to sign him now again that becomes how much is it going to cost? Do the Yankees want to hang on to him? I don't. Know. I doubt that they that they do at this point. Um, so uh, I'm I'm a little higher on him, but I, I, I do agree with your uh, the general tone, which is that yeah, this year was not one that uh, not the type of year you want to see out of a 29 year old getting ready to turn 30 and uh, signing as a free agent middle infielder. Is that a fair way to assess your argument on that?
0: Yep. And, and 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 the big thing everybody talks about is his offense, and, and I'm looking at his you know his OPS plus, and, and and he hasn't been above average, but two years in his career.
1: Yeah, but overall, he's a shortstop. How many shortstops have been above average? Uh, more than that during that same amount of time. Um, we're, we're
0: in the era, aren't we? In the, still in the era of, of good offensive shortstops.
1: Yeah. He, no? Um. Well, he had an 89 OPS plus as a 25 year old. what was still a 3.1 win player. Uh, you know, that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good player. Um, and right, but you know, he was a roughly an average hitter at age 26, and then above average the last uh, two years before 2019. I don't know. I'm just, um, I, those are his numbers around the league. I bet as a shortstop, I bet that's those are top ten, top seven or eight offensive numbers for, probably, for shortstops. Yeah.
0: Could be right, you know. He, you know, he, but he's making twelve million now.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's. I mean, that's the going rate for a an above average shortstop. We got. We got to yeah. stop. We got to stop. So, but you aren't going to get him for twelve million. Uh, you may get him for that, depending on how many years. Um, given uh, his season, it's all going to depend on what the market's like for him. What would What would you offer him? You know, I don't. I don't have any idea. I don't know what the going rate is going to be. We don't know how the free agent market is going to play out. Um, I don't know what the Reds well, you have. you to. I mean, if you, if, you know, if, you, if you, somebody has to be the first one to make an offer. Well, I would pay him what it takes to get him. Is the way I say it on all these guys. If the Reds really want a guy, it's they're going to, have to pay somebody. So somebody's going to pay him whatever he gets. Someone is going to pay that amount. If the Reds identify that he is their best option to improve the team. Then they've got to pay whatever that amount is. I don't. I don't know. I just. I, I don't think the Reds. We can limit uh, what the Reds are going to be willing to spend because you have to pay what the market bears. If you don't want him enough to pay that, okay, that's one thing. But you better have a plan to get somebody in here because I think if you go into next season with uh, Jose Iglesias or Freddie Galvis as your shortstop, you better have improved a lot elsewhere because those two guys are are not good. So that's that's what I say. What, do you have a number in mind that you would offer him?
0: No, I and I'm, and I'm like you. I, I have no idea, but I, I don't believe you're going to get Didi Gregorius for less than
1: for, for less than fifteen million a year. I would pay him fifteen million a year. I mean, if that's what it took, fifteen million right now. First of all, is not what it was even ten years ago. Um, you've got to pay for good players. The Reds have to at some point have to pay for good players. If they're not willing to do that, then I'm done. Well, to say, to see,
0: it's not fair to say that the Reds don't pay for good players. When Joey Votto is making big money, Brandon Phillips made good money. You know, they've paid their own players good money. They haven't brought in players.
1: They ha- they have paid uh, so- some players. I'll agree with that, but they have not been willing to operate on the same scale as other teams. They've never been willing to play on the same playing field as other teams when it comes to paying players, even when they were paying those players. Did they get into the top 20 in payroll ever? I mean. Ever? Yeah, I'm sure they were. You're sure? I I don't know. I haven't looked at it. Uh, they they probably were. Were they in the top half of teams? In the March shot
0: era, they were.
1: Uh, I'm talking about the current, uh, the current ownership. Are you talking about the Castellini teams? No, probably yeah. not. So, so yeah, they have been willing to pay certain players, and I think the Joey Votto deal is going to end up, in hindsight, being a a, a great deal. The Reds, uh, that was good business. Um, paying good players can be good business. Uh, I don't know if Gregorius is that guy. I tend to think he is uh, the best bet to improve at shortstop because I'm not I'm not thrilled with any other options that are out there, and so I'm afraid that if it's not Gregorius, it's probably probably Freddie Galvis. Um, who is just a, he's a marginal shortstop. He's not going to kill you. He'll have a little pop, and he plays a decent defense. He's above average, but he's going to be the weak spot in the lineup. So, if it takes that to get Gregorius, and and the Reds have identified that as a place they have to improve, well then
0: I think I think right there is your point. The, the Reds, and we don't know what the Reds are looking at is in terms of where they need to where where their priorities are in terms of where they need to improve.
1: You getting a phone call? Yeah. Golly, man, right in the middle of the pot. Didn't you say, tell them that you're recording a podcast?
0: They must not have gotten the memo. Oh, um, okay. You know, and we don't have any idea. I would think that outfield is probably their number one priority to improve.
1: Yeah, and yeah then probably. Catcher,
0: yeah. And then catcher and then middle infield.
1: Sign Anthony Rendon to play second base, and uh, there you go. You can put Freddie Galveston at shortstop if you want.
0: If that was the if that was the only move they made this winter, would you be happy going into spring training?
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I think so. I don't think that that necessarily gets them all the way where you really want to be one hundred percent confident, but it shows a real commitment because that we're talking a big time contract. It, oh yeah! it shows a real commitment. I think if, if you do that and then trade for somebody else that fills another hole, you know, without oh, No, no,
0: I'm, I'm saying Rendon is the only chain, LA, you know, other than guys you non-tender and bringing in Kindle, well, you know, and bring, bringing in, you know, filler
1: guys. No, if that's the only, if that's the only deal, no. If that's the only thing they do to improve, no, gosh, no, uh, no. Um, I won't be, I won't be upset though, you know, because it's a, it's a big commitment. Um, middle infield, other others we've, uh, you know, we talked about how we didn't have anything to talk about really this week. And we're somehow figuring out things to talk about, you know, Mike Moustakas, uh, was mentioned. I don't, I'm not that interested. Um, Howie Kendrick was good in the playoffs, but no, I'm not that interested in the 36 year old scooter scooter. Jeanette. Want to bring him back? No, thank you. Really Rendon, uh, if he's willing to play second base, and if he's not, I'm moving Suarez to second base. But he's the only guy there that really moves the needle. But because it's such slim pickings, that's the reason I think that maybe Gregorius may be an option. So uh, catchers, but but he would be. He's
0: also going to be the the option for everybody looking for a shortstop.
1: That right, right. That that's what that's why I say Rendon's the guy for if you're looking for a third baseman or maybe a second baseman. He's the guy. He's probably the only guy. Gregorius is really probably the only guy that moves the needle anywhere for teams. Okay. If we're going to say that because other teams want them, the reds can't get involved. Let me know that because I'll check out, I'll go watch the, you know, hockey. Uh, I'll turn into a blue, blue jackets fan or something. Um, because I, I don't have any interest in following a team. That's, it's, they don't what,
0: play in the summer um, chat.
1: Um, uh, <laughs> well, that's a good point. Um, it, it, it's why it's why I just can't get around the dealing with the Bengals because they're not serious. They're not playing the same game other teams are playing. If the Reds are going to be like that, then fine. Okay, we'll find out this winter whether they are. Um, and if they're not, okay. Um, am I going to quit watching them? No, but don't ask me to believe in anything you're doing until you show me that uh, you're serious about playing on the same playing field as other teams. So if we're just going to say that they're going to be really popular and the Reds can't get them, then why are we fooling with this? Catchers, Grindall's the guy. Yeah, hey, he's, the only, he's
0: the only thing that you really – What
1: What about the idea that – I'm going I'm to make a proposition to you. Yasma, be- Yas, out of all the free agents that are currently uh, expected to be available, Yasmani Grindall is the most likely to be a Cincinnati Red of any of the, the bigger name ones. I would tend to think that's probably true. I, I tend to think they're probably going to go after him pretty hard. Given that they tried really hard to get it a catcher last off season. Um,
0: so. Gregorius might be the other one that would kind of fit into that same slot.
1: Yeah, uh, Rendon is you know Rendon.
0: I do, and I think you're going to get Gregor- you could get Gregorius cheaper than you're going to get Grandel. Why not both? I didn't say you couldn't get both.
1: I'm just saying. Right. I I know you didn't say that, but I'm just saying we talked about what if Rendon is the only deal. What if they go out and get Grandal and Gregorius? That improves the team pretty significantly, and I'm probably willing to at least uh, go to bat with this group, Uh, especially if they can make a trade to improve somebody. That doesn't have to be a drastic trade.
0: If they got Gregorius and Grandal and made a trade for a corner outfielder,
1: Starts to look like a pretty good team.
0: I would be pretty happy.
1: I think it would surprise everyone if the Reds were able to land both of those guys in free agency, though. Oh, I'd be very surprised. Yeah. All right, you want to answer some viewer mail questions? Sure. All right. These are, as always, actual letters from actual viewers. First question comes to us from Joe Farsing at uh, patreon.com slash Radio. What are your top five and bottom five Reds trades in the past 20-ish years? years uh and i made some notes i don't know if we can do top five or bottom five but i did make some notes on on both those um do, do you have like a best and a worst
0: no i i, I i'm struggling to come up with the uh the okay. okay so so let, let me just chime in on you let me chime in on yours
1: all right here are the five that off the top of my head i came up with um bronson arroyo for willie mo Pena. That's tough to beat, that one. That's a really good deal. You didn't give up anything of substance, and you got a guy that's probably going to be a Reds Hall of Famer and really, really, really good hair. Oh, mercy.
0: And and he plays guitar.
1: Um, and He plays guitar. Luis Castillo for Dan Straley, who they just picked up off the waiver wire the year before. Tough to beat that one. Castillo's an yep. all-star and looks like an ace now. Um, what about uh, Brandon Phillips? In exchange for Jeff Stevens. That was a really good deal. Um, yes, it was.
0: Brandon, Again, another future Reds Hall of Famer.
1: Right. In exchange for a guy who was just never uh, anything. Let's see. I had uh, – what about this one? This one may cause some controversy, but I think you can make a good argument. Um, King Griffey Jr. Uh, Jr. I was
0: thinking when, when I – yeah, I, I thought of that. I, I, <sighs>
1: he wasn't
0: who tra- who did, well, the only person that we traded away. Well, Dan Wilson had a, that played for a long time out. and
1: Wasn't he part of that trade? Uh, was Wilson part of that trade? I, the only one that I remembered that really made any kind of an impact was Mike Cameron, who ended up being a really good player, but
0: well, I'm, I, you know what? I bet I'm thinking of a different trade with Seattle. Um,
1: I can't remember. Who do we
0: trade for Griffey? Do you
1: remember? Well, I'm going to have to pull it up here. Yeah, I do. remember I had it up a moment ago and I accidentally closed that tab. They pull that back up. Um, I know Mike Cameron was involved. and um, Let's see. Mike Cameron, Antonio Perez. Yeah, Dan Wilson wasn't in that trade. Infielder Antonio Perez, right-handed pitcher Jake Meyer, and right-handed pitcher Brett Tomko. Yeah, I,
0: that, that's who, the other one I was thinking. It was Tomko, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, you can make an argument that if the Reds had hung on to Cameron for the length of time they hung, hung on to Griffey, Uh, Cameron was a good player. I mean, he was a really underrated player. He had some really good years. Yeah, yeah. Moved around a lot. What Griffey brought, he he was pretty good for a long time. Uh, He was not the Griffey Jr. that we expected, but he was pretty good, hurt a lot. But he also uh, brought, I don't know, a little bit of uh, star power to Cincinnati. He brought a little bit of, I don't know, I'll I'll always fondly remember Griffey and, and Adam Dunn. Together.
0: I, I think yours is kind of the uh, – and I, I'm not disagreeing with anything that you say, but I think you were a Griffey fan before Griffey
1: came here would be my guess. I guess, but I didn't really have any – You, you know,
0: weren't
1: invested? No, not really. I mean, you know, um, okay. I really wanted to see him come play for Cincinnati, and it was so big because of who he was before he got to Cincinnati. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just – in terms of thinking about uh, trade, I think he, that's uh, – it's one of the biggest trades in Reds history. I, I don't know if – I would agree that maybe it's difficult to classify it as one of the best of the last 20
0: I, I, it, I think it's the biggest name coming to Cincinnati since Sieber had come to Cincinnati.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree
0: with um, that. Uh, I think the, the reason, it, at least I struggle with it, is the expectations of where it was going to take the team versus what ended up wow. happening.
1: Yeah, well, again, that's uh, – and, that, and that's not all his
0: fault. I mean, you know, it's not even, like – it's no. like blaming, you know, Adam Dunn because they didn't have any pitching. Right. Um, Brett Boone was part of the – or, or uh, uh, Dan Wilson was part of the deal that's, that brought Brett Boone to the
1: Reds. Brought Brett Boone to the <laughs> Reds? Yeah, in
0: 93.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, Brett Boone. That's uh, years. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, the The other one that we have to mention, and I saved it for last because it's my favorite – um the Reds acquired a Eugenio Suarez in exchange for
0: Alfredo Simon.
1: No, wrong. The bloated corpse of Alfredo Simon. Ah. What a great trade that was. So did he
0: whatever. You know, that the, the rape thing or the sex thing or whatever it was with Simon, that disappeared from the headlines as quickly as it appeared.
1: I, I don't I don't have any idea about it. I was glad he was gone. So, yep. um, and I'm really glad that, uh, Suarez well, they got,
0: speaking, someone else they got for nothing. They picked him up off the waiver. Well, a day before opening day, uh, and, he had, and he had a good season for the Reds.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did have one, one good season. So anyway, that, those are the ones that off the top of my head, uh, in terms of bad trades, uh, I would say, I still think that the, I'll never forgive the Reds for trading, uh, making that Austin Kearns-Felipe Lopez deal for Majeski. Oh, with the, Washington? Royce Clayton, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just an awful trade. I know everybody's like, well, Kearns didn't end up being anything. Um, but that, that was injury-related. Austin Kearns was a legit budding star, and that was uh, injury-related. Why he never – any of the injury happened before he was traded. So, you know, I guess you can make the case he was damaged assets. But the Reds got nothing. They were trying to make a deal that would really push him over the top and uh, traded for a, a Majeski, who had, his arm was – Dead and uh Jim Bowden just nope. got fleeced in that deal everyone yep. agreed that at the time he got the Reds got fleeced in that one um what about uh, this one in terms of bad trades I can't think of a ton that are really awful but uh the, trading Josh Hamilton for Edinson volquez and, and Danny Herrera uh, I know Hamilton was in the news uh he's been charged with a felony yep um I saw that just before <laughs> I don't know, a couple hours ago, I hadn't seen that. So maybe uh, we shouldn't be pining for the Josh Hamilton years. But think about how great Josh Hamilton was after that trade. Volquez was fine for a while, but I think I would consider that one of the worst ones.
0: Yeah, five time. You know, he went on was a five time All Star, won an MVP, was in the top ten of the MVP another year, and yeah, he had some
1: really really good years in Texas. The other one I think you can make the case for is uh, the Johnny Cueto trade. Even though at the time I thought that's a you know get three left-handers with uh, solid credentials, um, Cody Reed, Brandon Finnegan, and John Lamb, and you get exchanged for a couple of months of Johnny Cueto, you know I think at the time it was a, a good deal. I think uh, in retrospect it looks really bad because of the name Johnny Cueto who have been great, and uh, the Reds got essentially nothing out of that to this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still think Cody Reed, the clock's still running on Cody Reed. I'm not giving up on him, but, uh, you know, he will have to do something very significant to. uh...
1: Yeah, so uh, that's a a bad one. I wonder how much of that is because of the Reds continuing failures to develop anyone out of their minor league system, how much that hurt those guys. Um, All right, next question from Logan Hundley. At Patreon.com slash RedLegRadio. If Steven Strasburg opts out of his contract, will the Nationals focus on re-signing him or Rendon more? Welcome to Washington Nationals Radio. (laughs) Uh, Say Rendon. um, That's a tough one. Strasburg's a homegrown guy. They let a homegrown guy get away. I don't know. They'll try to keep them both. Um, Don't know. I'd like to have Rendon on, on the Reds, though. How about? Really? It's yeah. the first time you've ever said that. Well, it's just a, it's a developing thesis I've, I'm I'm working on. <laughs> I'll have more on it later. Um, Brian Bowdy, and here's why I like Brian Bowdy: he knows my weaknesses. He knows uh, that I'm flawed in certain ways, and every time he asks a question at Patreon, he puts a parenthesis at the end of it, reminding me how to spell his name. Bowdy rhymes with howdy. You mean how to pronounce his name? Yeah, that's what I said. Um, <laughs> Brian Bowdy. You're not uh, a judge on here, brother. uh, Hey, listen, I've (laughs) never been wrong. We know success this offseason looks like adding 8 to 10 wins above replacement and offensive talent. What does success on the field look like in 2020? I think anything less than playing in the National League Division Series would be a disappointment. Competing for a playoff spot isn't good enough. Losing the wild card game isn't good enough. Hash brown viewer mail. What does success on the field look like in 2020?
0: Making the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think even a wild card, I'm okay with that. Yeah. We just saw a wild card win the World Series. I, I, I prefer playing the division series, prefer more than that. But uh, I think. Well, I
0: mean, I would prefer to going back to having, you know, just four teams make the playoffs, you know, so. Yeah. But we don't get the pick, you know, so it is what it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm probably, if they just compete and fall a game or two short or something like that, I'm probably ultimately, I say it now, you know, that that would not be considered a success. I'd I'd feel at least uh, somewhat satisfied with them just being competitive but I think they really have to make the playoffs to um to justify this quote unquote rebuild. Um Nathan Connor uh got a good question about free agency that we really just aren't going to have enough time to unpack there um but he he makes a point that a lot of the Nationals guys were only one of them was a draft pick he says of their uh of the ones he listed here but i think that skips over uh strasburg um but either way a lot of guys were acquired in trade or free agency and so but his question is this doesn't have to take long the reds can do this right essentially um and the answer is yes they can are they going to be willing to do what it takes yeah, know.
0: Have, you know from from his mouth to to
1: god's ear yeah or bob Castellini's. Uh, It's the same thing, isn't it? uh, Yeah, just ask him. Nathan (laughs) Connor asks, uh, Virginia is a series of questions uh, about uh, rock and roll that we've been getting from Patreon. Virginia Cavalier Ryan Zimmerman or Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Robert Zimmerman? Now, first of all, Ryan Zimmerman, uh, one of the first recruits in head coach Brian O'Connor's regime where he turned around the Virginia Cavaliers and now a world champion with the Washington Nationals. First draft pick for the Nationals. Uh, So we know him. What about uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Robert Zimmerman?
0: Uh, He's got got another name.
1: He does have another name. What is that other name, Bill? I'll let you go ahead.
0: I I don't know. He's some old guy.
1: (laughs) Bill Lack. No, no, he's... he's, No, no, no. It's not Bill Lack. (laughs) He's Bob Dylan. I love Ryan Zimmerman. He's a Wahoo and he's a champion. But, yeah, give me Robert Zimmerman, a.k.a. Bob Dylan. Jeff Walter asks, do you prefer the juiced ball of the 2019 regular season or the de-juiced ball of the 2019 postseason, and do you think one benefits the Reds more than the other? You, you, you want to weigh in, or you mean you mean to just jump into this one quickly?
0: Go ahead. I'll, 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 let me think about it a minute.
1: Uh, I think that uh, I prefer – I don't care, I guess is what I should say, is you know I, I don't know that one benefits the Reds more than the other. I think that a juice ball is not my big problem with the game. It's more that it's not fun to watch all the strikeouts. And, uh, you know, I like home runs in general. I just wish there were other things as well, more balls in play. So I don't care, and I don't know that one benefits the Reds more than the other. Juice ball certainly didn't benefit the Reds this year, and they don't have a ton of guys that are big-time power threats anyway in this day and age. Uh, so, you know, um, I did think it was interesting how it was clearly de-juiced for the postseason, as Jeff uh, mentions but uh, I don't know that that was a better or worse brand of baseball because we still had all the uh, strikeouts. So uh, anything you have to add to that?
0: No. I, you wonder whether the size of the Reds ballpark would, would make it swing one way or the other, but I don't know.
1: Well, we had Suarez, who was uh, crazy good. But other than that, you know, I mean, they didn't really have a and, uh, Of course, Kino went on his crazy tear, so maybe the juice baseball helps him. But other than that, I'm not sure that uh, the Reds have the kind of power lineup that would. Uh, I don't. I don't know. That's a tough, tough question, Jeff. Don't ask such hard ones. Thomas Dennis asks, "What would a? By the way, Thomas Dennis, two first names, always, always a good move. What would a successful 2020 season look like for Joey Votto and for Nick Senzel? Uh, for Joey Votto, I think a uh, successful season would kind of look something like his 2000." and 18 numbers to me, which is a 284 on base percentage uh, or a batting average on base percentage, over 400 power. Not, you know, uh, I don't know the power is ever coming back for him, but I think a season like that where he's a solidly above average player is probably what we can hope for. And I don't see any reason why he can't compete again for an on base percentage championship. He's won seven of those in his career. Um, what, what do you think uh, is a uh, successful 2020?
0: You, something, you know something like 2018, but more consistent. Yeah, yeah. You can't have those, those crater months. Uh,
1: well, yeah, this year, a crater half. I mean, he was just awful for a long time. Yep. Um, as well, as it seems
0: like I, 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 I struggle with the fact that he seems to still be experimenting with his swing all the way through the season. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you would think at age 35 after 13 years that that, that wouldn't be happening. And I understand that he's a smart guy and knows more about hitting than 99% of the people on the planet. But uh, yeah. it, it, I struggle, you know?
1: Yeah, we can't really question Joey Votto because he knows more about it than we do. You're right. But uh, I wonder how much of his tinkering has to do with the fact that he is, uh, you know, a guy that is very thoughtful and everywhere around baseball, everyone has tinkered with their swing and a complete change in the swing dynamics around the league. And whether that's gotten into his head just a little bit, I don't know with Sinzel. uh, I, I think that it's safe to say that Sinzel's rookie year was, I don't think I would say it was a disappointment, but it was not quite what I expected. I think that I expect him to, uh, I think a successful season is two and a half to three wins, and I think I see. I think he could be even better than that. I think he could have. I think he's the, one of the better candidates in baseball for a breakout season, presuming he's healthy, and he's very likely not going to be healthy to start the season. Uh, what's a successful season tw- in twenty twenty for Nick Senzel for you?
0: I think two wins uh, and being healthy.
1: He's just going to be twenty five.
0: I, I, you know, I want to see him play one hundred and forty to one hundred and fifty games. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's a successful season. And if he play, plays 140, 150 games, he's going to be productive. That's, uh, I agree. that's my opinion. Um, Tyler, you know,
0: before we get off, Senzel, do, do you do you think that there's any reason to believe that he's going to be less have less injury problems playing second base than he does center field?
1: I think there's. You can make an argument that there's. It's it's marginally safer, but I don't, I don't think. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it moves the needle, as we we keep using that term, but I don't think either one or the other. He's If he's going to get a fluke injury, it could happen anywhere. He's had him in both places.
0: Right. And, you know, he had a busted finger at, at the infield. You know, That's he where, could be turned a double play. He could get a Ron Oster injury. You know. I, I think to say, well, put him back at second base. He'll be safe there. I just don't buy that.
1: I think maybe he, given the shoulder injury, for which he had surgery, maybe uh, you know he'll have to make fewer max effort throws at second base, perhaps in terms of like long throws. But again, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's much either way. Tyler Doyle asks, "What would be your third strike call if you were a major league umpire?" Let's hear it. He says, "You ready to give me your third strike call?" You
0: can, you can go first on this.
1: Okay, here's mine. Uh, picture: it, I'm the umpire. Joey Votto's at the plate. Here's my third strike call against Joey Votto. Ball four. Take your base. Not calling third strikes.
0: Your third strike call on Joey Votto would be Was that a strike, Mr. Votto?
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Please let me know when it's a strike. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that I've got a third strike call, Tyler. I like the question, but I'm not that enthusiastic uh, on Halloween to, to do that. You got one? No, I do not. I'll say this, though I do, I've all had a longstanding irritation with the ridiculous third strike calls that, uh, you especially see it on like the lower levels where people just want, hey, everybody, look at me. I'd say, you know, strike three or just hold up my, you know, a fist to indicate an hour. Yeah, they're
0: trying to get to the big leagues, too.
1: Yeah, good for them. I'm not. Um,
0: while we're talking about home plate umpires for just for a second here uh, on Twitter, there's been a lot of complaining about the umpiring and, and world series. And, and do you know what the average correct call percentage is for a home plate umpire? I have no idea. I don't either. You know, there's a, a I forget what the, what the thing on Twitter is. Umpire arbitre, uh, umpire something where he shows the, the worst call from a game and how far it was off and what the guy's percentage was correct for the thing. And, and and when they're complaining, I mean, they're in the mid-90s, you know, low to mid-90s. That's that's pretty good for calling balls and strikes to me. Now, would I like to see a computer doing it? Probably.
1: Uh, but I, Yeah, I would say that um, I've long said, I think I've said it here on the podcast, I think that umpires not, get it right Way, I'm surprised they get it right so often when you see that box up there. I'm surprised how often they yep. do get it right. But, man, there are some times where it's just so blatantly awful, the calls, that that's when everyone screams. Uh, and I get that, too, because uh, they miss some of the easiest calls that you would think are easy easy for me to say. But I, I'm constantly yeah, when, amazed. When you're, they get
0: not, as, when you're not the one back there they're throwing 100 miles an hour at.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm amazed they get as many right as they do. I think uh, robot umpires or whatever is probably a way better way to do it if they can figure that out, but... Uh, I don't think I'm proud to do that bad a job overall. One last uh, viewer mail question. Here's a movie one, so I know you would like it. This is again from Joe Farzing. He wants me. To, he wants to rank the these directors. And here are the five that he lists. Stanley Kubrick, Quentin Tarantino, Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, and the Coen Brothers. So I'm going to rank them, and if you have any thoughts about that, uh, let me know. Here's my rankings, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, because this was a, a late-arriving question. This is going to be a controversial in some, uh, some corners. I'm going to go Quentin Tarantino. Oh, man, this is tough, because four of these, I think, are all-time greats. Four of these five. Uh, Tarantino. The Coen brothers. Oh... Stanley Kubrick, Francis Ford, uh, maybe Coppola third and Kubrick fourth. Spielberg is easily fifth out of that group in my mind. So, But I think Tarantino is number one. What do you think? I completely disagree with you. Of course.
0: Of course. I'm not a big Tarantino guy. Uh, and I'm really not a Cohen's Brothers fan. Oh,
1: gosh. Bill. I'm not. Every Mine, movie they've I mean, done has been fantastic. Literally. No, oh, I wouldn't goodness. agree. Uh, clearly. Oh, goodness. All right. So who on that, who's the best on that list then? Coppola. Eh, I can buy it. I mean, you know, just on the strength of the Godfather. But, uh, the conversation's a great one. If you've not seen that one, that's a good one. I mean, he's, you know, he's done some great ones. My number two would be Spielberg. <laughs> He's far and away the fifth. It's not even close. He's not even. He should not even be Again. in the same conversation with those guys.
0: Yeah, all He's, he does is all he does is make movies that people want to see.
1: Okay, that doesn't mean they're good movies. He's done, uh, you know. Uh, I'll give him Indiana but Jones.
0: You, you go by what you think is good and what the critics think is good, and why does that mean any more than the people that actually go out and buy tickets?
1: No, I think critics are often wrong, especially these days. I, I've, uh, yeah, I, I think that there are some movies that are good and some that are just crowd-pleasers. And I think there's a difference. I think there's a real difference. God, you, man, do you know how snobby you sound? Whatever. Are you telling me that the, whatever the latest Marvel movie is is an actual good movie? It's it a, depends on how you find good. If people want to go see it, it's a good movie. Okay, I can, I can give you 100 movies that are absolutely awful that people went to see. I mean, that's, that's not a uh, box office totals is not a way to judge good movies. It's just, it's too rough uh, a way because so many bad movies make a lot of money. Um, so that's a, that's a future, that's a future podcast bill. We're going to have to cut it, cut this one off right there. Sorry. I know you're excited to talk about movies. I did see a movie you suggested, uh, on a previous podcast we we mentioned it very briefly i finally got around to it the last week or so yesterday not really a critically acclaimed movie
0: but a pretty good movie it's it fun it's yeah. a fun movie
1: yeah it was uh, you know it had, it had flaws but... i saw
0: an interesting i saw an interesting movie this week the current
1: war oh yeah yeah i want to see that one that's the, the uh edison thomas edison right
0: yeah edison and
1: westinghouse and tesla yeah yeah it looks good uh it was
0: it was it was it was interesting it was it was well it was good and and learned I learned some things it was I want to I want to read more about Tesla after seeing it
1: I'm hoping to get away to see the movie I've been dying to see it's uh, this weekend just to will end on this note parasite can't wait to see parasite so anyway uh, any final thoughts for us bill nope go leave us uh, ratings reviews uh, at iTunes Apple podcasts uh, tell all your friends about us please uh, you all know how to subscribe wherever where you can find your podcast you can support us at patreon.com red leg radio If you want to support, uh, toss a couple bucks our way to help keep this thing going. Um, Keep this pirate ship afloat, as they say. Um, Really appreciate uh, all of you that have been supporting us. Not just uh, at Patreon, but all of you that download every week. It just just amazes me that you you do that, and I really appreciate it. Uh, For Bill Lack and Bob Dylan, this is Chad Dotson saying, So long, everyone.